You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, if you would, please, to Jeremiah chapter 21 is where we started last week, and we're going to jump right into uh, chapter 22 here in a moment. I'd like to do a little bit of review just to remind you uh, where we're at. Jeremiah chapter 21, and we will uh, look at a few verses here, and then we'll jump into uh, chapter 22. As a matter of fact, let's uh, start reading. I'd like to read uh, verse number 15 and 16 in chapter 22, and then we'll have prayer. It says, uh, Shalt thou reign because thou closest thyself in cedar? Uh, these are uh, warnings, judgments to the kings of Judah. Uh, Josiah had uh, reigned for many years. He was a good king. And then after that, uh, his son Jehoahaz reigned for three months. Didn't go so well. Jehoiakim reigned for 11 years. After Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, uh, also known as Jeconiah or Coniah, he was on the throne for three months and 10 days. We'll look at him in a moment. And then Zedekiah was the last king, and Jeremiah is giving prophecies to these different kings of Judah, and he's referencing them. But here he's talking about uh, King Josiah, verse number 15. He said, did not thy father, uh, Josiah, eat and drink and do judgment and justice, and then it was well with him. He judged the cause of the poor and needy, and then it was well with him, was not this to know me, saith the Lord. Verse 17, but thine eyes and thine heart are not but for thy covetousness and for to shed innocent blood and for oppression and for violence to do it. Verse number 21, I spake unto thee in thy prosperity. Now that's an interesting uh, uh, statement there. God says, I spoke to you when things were going well in your prosperity. And by the way, any prosperity that we have is a blessing from God. When our needs are met, when the bills are paid, when there's uh, food on the table and there's a roof over our heads, anything like that, that's all because of God and his mercy. Say, well, you know, I don't have it as good as so-and-so. No, maybe not, but you and I have it a lot better than we deserve. And God said, I spoke to you in your prosperity, but notice this response. But thou saidst, you answered, you were the king, but you said, I will not hear. This hath been thy manner from thy youth that thou obeyest not my voice. Lord, would you help us as we look at your word? I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that we would realize that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable. Lord, we need to be helped. We need to profit. We need to benefit. We need to learn from the example of these kings that you sent a prophet to specifically to tell them what you wanted them to know. And it has been recorded for us. I pray that we would listen. I pray that we would respond. I pray we'd make the changes in our own heart and own life that are necessary. 
uh, to please you and to live for you. I pray that you'd speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we said, number one, do not take God's blessings for granted. Uh, king Zedekiah, he was the last king of Judah, and, uh, and he had just gotten comfortable. Uh, hey, God's blessed us before, and he's got to do it again. And by the way, God does not owe us his blessings. His blessings are just that. They are blessings. They are undeserved. They're unmerited, but yet God, in his goodness, blesses us. But don't Take God's blessings for granted. Have you, ever, have you ever had a blessing? Or have you ever had something that God took away or was removed for your life and you thought, wow, I wish I would have been more grateful. I wish I would have been more thankful. I wish I would have been more appreciative while I had it. It's been very well stated that many times we don't appreciate the water until the well runs dry. Can I tell you, let's never forget that we have been blessed by God. We sang that song tonight. Uh, he's a wonderful Savior. God is so good. Don't ever take God's blessings for granted. Number two, we said sin always brings captivity. Sin always brings bondage. It's amazing. We get saved and we have liberty in Christ, and we have freedom in Christ, and, and the, the chains of sin are broken, and we have freedom. And you know what so many Christians do? They go back to the sin that God saved them from. I want to tell you, there's no freedom in a life of sin. There is no liberty in a life of wickedness. There is freedom in Christ and Christ alone, but sin always brings captivity. Number three, we said there's victory in surrender. Remember how we said that God's people had a couple options. They could fight against Nebuchadnezzar, and God said, you're going to be killed. If you fight, you will not win. Said, however, if you will surrender yourselves to the Babylonians, that was part of God's judgment upon them, 70 years of captivity, God said, the only way you're going to win is if you surrender. You know, in our lives, the only way to have true victory is through surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. When you and I can take our hands off the wheel and say, God, my life is yours. And God, I don't know the best way. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I should do in this case. God, I'm turning it all over to you. I surrender my will and I place my life in your hands. That is when victory comes. Number four, we said that God wants his people to be kind. It's interesting that these kings, because of their power, because of their position, they got to a point where they didn't mind oppressing people. They didn't mind taking advantage of the strangers and the, the poor and the widows and the fatherless, and they were using people for their gain. And God said, oh, no, you don't. That's not how it's going to happen, a, a king, a leader, uh, a CEO, a pastor, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, a parent, whoever it is, a teenager, we as God's people, we ought to be the most kind, we ought to be the most gracious, uh, I, I, I have no idea where people think, I'm going to be a good Christian, and so I'm just going to be the biggest grump in the world, that, I don't see that in the Bible, 
I don't see where you got to be mean and you've got to hurt people and you got you to talk bad about people. And that, friend, that's of the devil. But God wants his people to be kind. Uh, you say, well, they don't deserve it. You're right. They probably don't. And neither did we. But the Bible says, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I'm glad that God was forgiving of me, undeserving as I am. But God, in his, uh, in his grace and his mercy, showed kindness to us. Number five, we uh, finished with this last week, but God judges his people when they forsake him. But God blesses his people when they seek him. Verse number eight and nine, the question is asked, why has God done this unto this great city? Then they shall answer, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshiped other gods and served them. I'd like to give you number uh, six. It's found in verses uh, 13 and 14. And then we get into Josiah verses 15 and 16. Did you know number six, as we look at these two chapters together, number six, God wants every one of us to be a giver. Jesus came and he didn't come to be a taker. Aren't you glad for that? Came to be a giver. He came and he gave his life a ransom for many. God's plan for us is not to be takers. Now, please don't, don't tell me after uh, church, you know, that it's somebody, you know, in the auditorium, but uh, we all know somebody or we've all known somebody who it seems like they will take and 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 they'll take as long as you'll give, but they'll never give anything back. Now, I'm not talking about just money now. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about giving of yourself and I'm talking about serving others and living for others. I'm talking about being selfless rather than selfish. But God wants his people to be uh, givers, not takers. Did you know that's why so many people are miserable? It's because all they do is they take. All, they, all they're doing is looking for how can I get something? What can I get out of it? The Bible says it is more blessed to what? To give than it is to receive. God wants us to be uh, givers, not takers. Verse number 13. Woe unto him that buildeth his house by unrighteousness and his chambers by wrong that useth his neighbor's service without wages and giveth him not for his work. I'm gonna see if I can rip this guy off. I'm gonna see if I can get something out of him without giving him uh, what he deserves or what belongs to him. That saith, verse number 14, I will build me a wide house and large chambers and cutteth him out windows and it is sealed with cedar and painted with vermilion. It's a beautiful, beautiful house. And I tell you, you can live in the nicest mansion in all the world, but if you're a taker, you're not gonna be happy. You can live in the biggest, most beautiful uh, estate. You can, have, you, can live, you can live in a castle. You can live like a king. But can I tell you, that doesn't guarantee happiness. That doesn't guarantee joy. That does not guarantee fulfillment. There's joy, not in taking, not in abusing, not in using people, but there's joy in giving. The happiest people that I've ever known, and you'd say the same thing, 
The happiest people you've ever known are not the people with the biggest bank accounts, but they're the people with the biggest hearts. The people that just give. They give of themselves and they give to the Lord's work and they, they see somebody in need and they give. And, and it's not, hey, I want this recognition and I want my name up here. It's just behind the scenes. It's in the shadows. It's without the recognition. Can I tell you, there's going to be some recognition someday. When we get to heaven, there's going to be some recognition for people who just gave and served and prayed and lived for God and did what God wanted them to do without the recognition without the applause of men. Verses 15 and 16, we see Josiah was mentioned, how things were well with him because he did what was right. He did what was right, not expecting something in return. But God promises that he will bless those who bless others who cannot repay. Verse number 17, we see the opposite of being a giver is being covetous. A one who sheds innocent blood, one who uh, uh, is, is responsible for oppression and violence. And what a, what a sad commentary for God's people that these kings were guilty of these things. Verse number 18, notice if you would, Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, they shall not lament for him saying, ah, oh, my brother, or ah, oh, sister, they shall not lament for him, saying, ah, oh, Lord, or ah, oh, his glory. He shall be buried with the burial of an ass, drawn and cast forth beyond the gates of Jerusalem. Here's a king. Here's a man who, who, could, who could snap his fingers and people would do his bidding. But when he died, there would be nobody crying. There would be nobody sad. And his burial literally would be like you would, uh, would have buried an animal in those days. Nobody cared. And I tell you, that's a, that's a sad thing. Uh, you've seen it. I've seen it. But you want to know if someone lived their life for others? Go to their funeral. You know what you'll see? You'll see people standing in line to come through and to say, so-and-so was a blessing to me. So-and-so helped me. So-and-so was an encouragement to me. So-and-so was a friend. So-and-so was a coworker that helped me. And I'll tell you what, you find out. Uh, you find out when it comes down to the end. I've used this illustration before. Pastor Wilkerson, John Wilkerson, uh, pastors the... Uh, First Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana. Before that, he pastored the First Baptist Church in Long Beach, California, uh, where uh, Michael uh, and Ashley just moved from just recently. But he was the pastor there, and he came up uh, every week, and he taught in the college at Golden State. He'd get on a flight. It was about a 45-minute flight from Long Beach to San Jose, and he'd come up every week and teach classes, and he preached in chapel. But he talked about a funeral service that he was called upon to do and it was a college professor down in the Los Angeles area. And they, the funeral home called him and they said, we don't really know much about him, doesn't have much family, but we need somebody to do the service. Pastor Wilkerson prepared for that service and did that service. And, he, and, and I, heard him, I heard him tell this story. He said, I've never seen anything like it. He said, we got to the service and it was just me 
and the funeral director. He said, I asked the, the, the funeral director, was this in the paper? Was this announced? Did people, and the funeral director said, we did for this what we do for every other service. And nobody came. And Pastor Wilkerson made this statement. He said, those students had been required to attend the classes. But nobody was required to come to that funeral. And he said, that right there was an indication of the impact or the lack thereof that that professor made on those students. Can I tell you, when God calls me home, I hope there'll be somebody. As a matter of fact, we need to get a show of hands right now. Who's going to show up? And we'll get you to sign it, you know, whatever. I'm counting on you. Okay, Brother Charles, thank you. There's one at least that will show up. Thank you. Okay, we got a couple. But can I tell you when God calls us home? Uh, I hope that we're missed down here. I hope there are, there are, I hope there are holes and I hope there are hearts that are, that are broken because of a, a relationship and because of an impact. Jehoiakim, the judgment was given. Hey, when you die, nobody's even going to weep for you. Verse number 21, we read this verse. God says, I spake unto thee in thy prosperity. But thou saidst, I will not hear. This hath been thy manner from thy youth that thou obeyest not my voice. Can I tell you, we must never forget that our prosperity and our blessing comes from God. And if God is the one that blesses us, we ought to be listening when he speaks to us. Uh, let's not get to where all we want is for God's hand and God's blessing and God's provision that we don't seek his face and we don't seek uh, his voice and we don't listen and we're not in tune when God speaks. Notice it goes on to say, this hath been thy manner from thy youth. Our teens are out now with Brother Nathan and Miss Grace for Teens on Target. But I tell you, it is so crucial for young people to form habits in their youth. Because the Bible says of this king that his manner, his habit while he was young, is he wasn't listening to God then. Guess what happened? He grew up and he still wasn't listening to God. We ought to pray for our teenagers. We ought to pray for our children. I thank God for all of our Sunday school teachers and nursery workers and junior church and bus workers. Can I tell you, your labor is not in vain as you teach young people the word of God because those young people are someday going to grow up into adults and the habits formed in their youth will be evident in their adult years. And I know we've all seen situations where maybe somebody doesn't live for God or whatever, but I'll tell you this, it's so important that in your youth, in the youth uh, years, that young people are taught and instructed the word of God and taught to listen to God. Verse number 24, this is a judgment here upon uh, Jehoiachin, uh, also known as Jeconiah, or in this passage, Coniah. But I want you to see this, and I want to, I'm going to have you turn to maybe a scripture or two, but I want you to see uh, these truths here in the last few verses. This is a curse on Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim. It says in verse 24, as I live, saith the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet upon my right hand, 
yet would I pluck thee thence. And I will give thee into the hand of them that seek thy life and into the hand of those uh, whose face thou fearest, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into the hand of the Chaldeans. And I will cast thee out and thy mother that bare thee into another country uh, where ye were not born, and there shall ye die. But to the land whereunto they desire to return, thither shall they not return. Is this man, Coniah, a despised, broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? Wherefore are they cast out, he and his seed, and are cast into a land which they know not? O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. By the way, you don't think God's upset here? Listen to this. Write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. Wow. Now, this king, Jeconiah, who was king for three months and ten days, he received a curse from God. God said, I'm done with him. He said, even though he were the signet, remember we talked about that a few weeks ago? The signet is, is that seal that a king would have that was close uh, to the king. It was valuable. It was a mark of identification. And I want to tell you this. Uh, it doesn't matter how much God uses any one of us. Can I tell you, we still must live for God and do what's right. And God does not excuse sin. God doesn't look the other way. God doesn't say, oh, well, you know, that guy's a pastor and I really need him. Oh, no. Can I tell you, God doesn't need any of us. The fact that God uses any of us is the grace and mercy of God. But you say, well, my position is just so important in this church. Or I've been in this position for however many years. Or I've been married for this long. Or I've been teaching for this long. Or I've been serving. It doesn't matter. When you break the laws of God, God will judge sin. Remember King David? King David, who was a man after God's own heart, the sweet psalmist of Israel, he commits adultery with Bathsheba and God sends a prophet to him and said, hey, buddy, thou art the man. And I don't know what happened for Coniah. I don't know if he just thought, hey, I'm a king. I'm good. I can do what I want. God can't judge me or God won't judge me. But God did judge him. And now here's what I want you to notice about this. The name Jeconiah literally means whom Jehovah, whom God establishes. But when God pronounces the curse, he removes that prefix from his name, which is the identification with God. It's almost like God says, I don't want to be associated with this person. Now, again, we're not talking about losing your salvation. We're not talking about that, you know, you're saved and, 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 and you lose it. And we're not talking about that. We're talking about your effectiveness. We're talking about your usefulness in God's hand. And God says of this king of Judah, God says, I will cast thee out. Verse number 28, like you would take out the trash. 
God says, I am throwing you out of this place. You're not going to be sitting on the throne, buddy. But then verse number 30. Verse 30, God says, there will not be any of your descendants that will sit on the throne in Judah. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but there's a problem. The problem is God made a promise to King David. Remember that? The Davidic covenant that from that promise that God made with David is that there would come a king, King Jesus, the Messiah that would sit on the throne. And now here, Jehoiachin, he messes up God's plan. He messes things up for the promise that God had made. Would you notice with me, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. God is angry with Jehoiachin, a Coniah, and God says none of your descendants are going to sit on the throne. But God had already made a promise with David that said, David, your descendants will sit on the throne and from your descendants will come the Messiah. Now notice Matthew chapter 1. In verse number 1, it says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of who? David. Jesus came from the city, from the line of David. As a matter of fact, Jesus was also born in the city of David. Remember that in Luke chapter 2, where it says uh, uh, that, that it would be the city of David, Bethlehem, the Savior would be born? Well, here in Matthew 1, we see a genealogy. And this genealogy goes through uh, the kings. And notice with me, if you would, in verse number 10, and uh, Ezekiel begat Manassas, and Manassas begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias, which is Josiah, and he begat Jeconias, which is Jeconiah, uh, which is uh, Jehoiachin, and his brethren about the time they were carried to Babylon. Wait a second here. And then we get down uh, uh, to the uh, verse number 15, and uh, Eliad begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Mathan, and Mathan begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Say, well, wait a minute. I thought God said that Jehoiachin wasn't going to have descendants sit on the throne, but here is Jesus in this genealogy. Well, let's turn over to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, we see another genealogy. And in Luke chapter 3, verse number 23, it says, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which was the son of uh, Mathet, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janna, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, and Amos, and Nahum, and Ezli, and Nagi, verse 26. It goes on, uh, verse number uh, 20, uh, let's look at verse number 30, which was the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Jonan, and Eliakim. Verse 31, which was the son of Melia, which was the son of Menan, which was the son of Mattatha, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. 
which was the son of Jesse, which was the son of Obed, Obed and Boaz and Salmon and uh, Nason. You say, well, wait a minute. Those are different. So why are there two genealogies that depict or show the line of Christ? Well, here it is. Both of them have a common denominator. The common denominator is they both go back to David because that's who God made the promise to. David had a son by the name of Solomon, and Solomon and the line of the kings we find in Matthew chapter 1. And that genealogy goes all the way to Joseph. So Joseph was in the line of the kings, but the kings, they got, they got X'd off because of Jeconiah. But the genealogy in Luke chapter 3 from David goes all the way to Mary. And that was from David, but that wasn't through Solomon and the line of the kings. That was through David's son, Nathan. So here's what's so amazing about all that. You read Jeremiah 22 and you think, Jeconiah, he messed up God's plan. He messed things up. He was so wicked that God said, I'm done with you. And God's promise to David was then forfeited. Oh, no, 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 no. Not the way it works. You know how it works? God still kept his promise to David. God still fulfilled his covenant with David that from David there would come a king, King Jesus, but God bypassed the line of the kings and God went through another son and God went through another route to Mary, who was the mother of Jesus. Of course, Joseph was not the father of Jesus. Who was the father of Jesus? God himself. And so I say number seven, and I know I've given you a lot of names and a lot of, uh, uh, of things to think about, but I want to say number seven. I got good news for you. God's plans are not hindered by our failures. You see, we think, oh no, somebody messed up. Somebody sinned. Uh, somebody, uh, somebody missed an opportunity. Uh, somebody forfeited God's blessing. And we think, oh no, what's God gonna do? God's not worried about it. God's not in heaven uh, panicking. God is not stressed out. God's plans are not hindered. God's plans are not frustrated by our failures because you see, where sin abounded, we talked about this Sunday night, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, and God's promise to David was still fulfilled. I'm glad that God keeps his promises. And you say, but pastor, you don't understand. My mom or my dad or my husband or my wife or my son or my daughter or my grandkids or, or, or my pastor or my Sunday school teacher or this person I looked up to, uh, you don't understand how they messed up. They may have messed up. But can I tell you, God's plans and God's promises are still true. And you can count on it. And you can mark it down that God will still be in control in spite of our failures. Hallelujah for God's plans. And then number eight, and we've talked about this, but God always keeps his promises. Always. I wonder, 
course, David was not still alive at the time of uh, Josiah and uh, um, um, Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin and Zedekiah. David wasn't still alive during that time. But I wonder if there were some skeptics. And I wonder if there were some, some naysayers and saying, yeah, see, remember God promised to David? And he did. He promised to David. He made a promise with David that, that from his, his, his descendants that someone would sit on the throne. The Messiah, the king, uh, would sit on the throne. And King Jesus came from the line of David. But now here's something interesting. That's why the Jews were so excited when Jesus showed up. Because they thought Jesus was going to take over. They thought he was going to set up his kingdom. And when Jesus did not set up his kingdom, when he went to a cross, that's where many of the Jews, they said, this, this isn't it. We were expecting a king, and we were expecting uh, this, this Jesus, the, the son of David, to sit on the throne. And he didn't sit on the throne. He went to a cross. He did not come as the king. He came as the lamb. Can I tell you, when he comes back, he's coming back as king. And there's coming a day that Jesus Christ will sit on the throne in Jerusalem and he will rule and he will reign for 1,000 years on planet Earth. And can I tell you something? That promise is as sure now as it was when God made it to David. Because the promises of God are true. Now, here's my challenge to you. You say, well, God didn't make a, uh, God didn't give the Davidic covenant to me. No, you're right, he didn't. But God gave you a whole book full of promises. He's gonna keep every one. He made you the promise that said he would never leave you and he would never forsake you. He made you the promise that you could call unto him and he'll answer you. And he'll, he'll show you great and mighty things that you don't even know about. God made that promise. He said that you can cast all of your care upon him because he cares for you. He made the promise that you can do all things through Christ who will strengthen you. God's promises are sure. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.